Happy Tuesday night to everyone, where Danny and I are now both sheltered in place in the Bay Area. So uh, I guess the good news is we're going to have a lot of content for you. We have a lot of next, time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Until uh, April 7th, Danny and I basically will not be leaving our house except to grocery shop. So uh, and maybe to go on like a hike or something. We're, we're allowed to do that as long as we stay six feet away from uh, from other people. But uh, yeah, going to be... Uh, gonna be interesting uh, hanging out here and uh hope everyone out there as well is staying safe and doing pretty much the same thing and we'll do our best to provide you all with some entertainment and let's start by doing the center rankings this is something that we're i think we'll do these with point guards and then we'll do top 10 players in the nba over the next couple of weeks or so and center rankings you said that power forwards was the easiest we had done so far was centers easier for you mostly I, there were what one of the things that was weird how i resolved center i actually just had more tiers and part part of me thinks that might have been dumb but part of me thinks that i was like well i saw those guys as materially different qualities of player and uh so that part of it what shocked me most was i kept a really tight filter at the bottom on the like definite rotation player group and you could, and that's the last one that I really like that I even put players in. And so there were legitimate NBA players that didn't make that tier. And it's still everything included up to 59 guys. So the supply is ridiculous. And that's a part of why, especially now that the league is moving generally smaller, some of these guys do bridge over and play power forward. But the supply, maybe not at the top end, but the supply is just ridiculous right now. But they were pretty easy to categorize. So to answer your question, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I I struggled once I got below about the 15 range. Um, I, I should say below 12. I, I ranked my first 12 guys. And then below there, I thought it was a lot harder to differentiate. I did break the guys into tiers. I didn't go quite as far down as 59 but i i basically went down as far as anyone that i thought could be a reasonable starter in a pinch and that got me down to really 45 50 guys yeah that yeah that mine was at mine was at 40 for that group so yeah that's pretty close yeah i mean if you think about it myers leonard started most of the year for a solid playoff team and yeah he's not gonna finish games he's got a lot of limitations he had a lot of good pieces around him etc i i get all that but that's an interesting argument for well maybe you do just you can get by with a lot of these guys if you just put the right players around them and some of these guys can look pretty good and then if these guys get on the wrong team they can start looking pretty bad but it's really it's a fascinating group to me of just where do you draw the lines because again the, the whole reason we do this is because we want to say hey you know like what are you really paying for here you know what is the replacement value if you're gonna give Nikola Vucevic a 25 million dollar a year contract or you're gonna give Jonas Valanciunas three years 45 million like what are you really getting for that versus if you decided to spend fewer resources what would you be getting for that so that's that's why we do this on all the positions but in particular this position is where i think it's the most salient uh, over the well, years. and it's it's where we had that discussion a few years ago that really clarified it for both of us that once you got below a certain number i think then it was 12 that it was a real drop-off and that number has thinned to me i think that now the number of centers that i would really pay for is is more in the 7 to 10 range maybe even shorter than that and some of those guys you know can play different positions one other before we get into laying out the criteria we won't spend as much time with that one big kind of big picture thing i wanted to lay out there is that at the center position 
position more so than other spots, partially due to injuries and circumstance. I had more players where I was questioning how much to value this season. So you, yeah. Al Horford's a great example of this. I, you're reconciling Al Horford in 1819 versus Al Horford in 1920, which is representative. And for like Willie Cauley-Steins, another example, I had a bunch of those type of guys, dead men. And so I did the best I could, but I could imagine... In certain circumstances, people being like, hey, why didn't you, why did you or why didn't you wait this year more? And for a lot of it, it was just how representative is the situation. And and sometimes, you know, with different players, it can also be something that is in our criteria, which is how versatile are they? How many different systems does their game work? Can they play other positions? Can they defend on switches? Like, what, what, what do you have to build around them? And that is a, a valid consideration. I think another valid consideration is how much are you going to weight regular season value oh, versus boy. the playoffs? This is a position that might have the largest dichotomy between who can succeed in the regular season and who can succeed in the playoffs. Right. And so I think that's a good way to lead into uh, the, the criteria here. For those of you who've listened to other position rankings, it is where where we would want somebody if we had a regular season followed immediately by a playoffs that the season started today. So this is not continuing the season that already existed or anything else like that. It is an 82 game season starting right now. And then the only other big consideration there, caveat, is that recoverable injuries, you know, like not degenerative or like the things that'll persist, those we're not really waiting in very much. So if a player is currently dealing with a knee thing or a back thing that isn't a, like, let's say it's a broken bone, like Nurkic, we expect that they will fully fully recover from that because it's just a more interesting exercise. And Nurkic, Nurkic, I actually have a few questions about uh, personally, but yeah, it's, I mean, when you've missed a year, then it's, it's it's hard for me to say. I, I don't know if that's. The I, I waited. I, I waited that. that less. Whereas yeah. somebody, if I just don't think they're ever going to be right, or let's say they can't play more minutes than that for for a specific reason, then that factored in more for me. And then as we kind of got into, this is not a future rankings. This is not where will that guy be in 21, 22 or beyond. Though, if a player has more upside, this is kind of the Luca corollary. If a player has more upside, maybe they reach it a little bit earlier. You know, maybe they're, maybe they can be a little bit further along in the development, that sort of a thing. But it isn't, you know, so there will be a lot of like talented young players that I really like that are in lower tiers or not in tiers at all because they're not there yet. And that is an important consideration. And uh, let's see, is there well? So then the other thing, kind of in the that that goes specifically in the center criteria for me is that I still consider center a more important defensive position than offensive. That does not mean every good defensive center is above every bad defensive center, but it is more important. So if you're gonna, you know, because if you don't have a good defensive center and you want to build a good, a strong, let's say, starting lineup, you're gonna need that from somewhere else. And so that's going to be a consideration. However, if the center is so good offensively, like a couple of the guys at the top of my list then you you'll make that sacrifice so let's get started here and another thing that i'll note before we begin there seems to be a lot of fluidity from year to year below like the top six or so which i think is another indication of just you know hey pay for those guys who really make a difference for you on either end who you're like okay you put this guy out there you got a good offense or a good defense and or or you're at least a fair amount of the way there or you know you don't necessarily want to pay for a ton beyond that so i'm going to start with tier one and i had three guys in this group Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, and Carl Anthony Towns. I struggled with how to rank them. I ultimately went with Joel Embiid, number one. And my rationale was 
To me, he's, if you have him at his absolute best, I know there are a lot of injury concerns, but if you have him at his best, when you consider his defensive impact, the fact that he's just really, really difficult to guard in the post, he's been the best post-up player in the NBA. The numbers on that are spectacular this year. Even if he's less likely to be at his peak than Jokic or Towns when the playoffs roll around, that his game is just the most versatile and the most portable and he has the fewest weaknesses of that group and so i think he's ultimately i would say Embiid is probably the only player on this whole list that i could look at who could plausibly be the best guy on a championship team i don't see that from any other center in the whole nba my tier one the category was what i called it potential best player in a series now you're drawing a different line than i am in terms of that of of, with the joel Embiid thing and i agree with you i think that there is a fundamental difference and part of the reason i had joel Embiid number one is that he has been this massively impactful player in a series not only in a series that his team won but in a series that his team lost that that when they when they faced the raptors he was excellent the biggest thing well 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 well, excellent i i don't know i mean he he did offensively he wasn't healthy and he got shot shut down yeah I mean, granted granted he was still incredibly he important was impactful I, I guess impactful yeah. is better to say than excellent yeah and, I, um, I mean you'd be you'd be of all of these players the one who's had the best playoff series is Nikola Jokic correct um, but he also wasn't going against real defenses um, right and that and, and Jokic also like he, you know he wasn't terrible in the in the Portland series but you yeah. know he's the best player on a team that lost to an inferior like to me an inferior group and, well, and also we've talked about his defensive weaknesses many absolutely. times where they have to play this system with two on the ball in pick and roll a lot of the time to protect him from getting traffic coned if he plays more of a drop coverage. So, um, you know, I mean, that that ultimately puts a ceiling on your defense, you know, within his capabilities. I think he is very good. Uh, he, he's He's not a terrible defensive player in the regular season, but it's also just, it's really hard to have an elite defense with him out there. And and Embiid, you know, even this year, they have been elite when he's been out there on the floor. Right. And so I, my tier one was the same three as you, and it sounds like the same order. I had Towns third, and there is a distinct chance that when optimized or, and also when, you know, if he gets a little older and improves, gets a little stronger, that Towns will be better than Jokic. Maybe even he could be, he could be better than Embiid. That's why they're in the same tier as they could be there. And, yeah. but with Towns... I, I mean, the first, the first month of the year, Towns was way better than Jokic. This right. Year. I mean, Jokic, yeah. And so we'll have to, you know, it's going to be time and better fit and surrounding players and everything like that. But Towns' talent still has him in this tier for me. And also he's been an absolute Iron Man before the highly questionable stretch of this season. I can't remember whether it ended up being 14 games, but some Something like that but he's been so durable throughout the remainder that i i'm i'm willing to give him credit for all of that and <laughs> that's great yeah yeah he wasn't he wasn't questionable he was highly questionable <laughs> during that period he, he really really was and and so yeah i think town having having towns in this tier to me was more appropriate because he has that potential and it and the if you were theoretically replaced you know, either Embiid or Jokic with Towns and gave them that surrounding talent. I the teams wouldn't be the same, but I think they'd be damn good, and that would they would be better suited to dealing with his weaknesses than Minnesota has been throughout his run, both coaching uncertainty, personnel uncertainty, everything else that's gone on with the Wolves during his tenure, most of which is not his fault. So yeah, I, I felt more comfortable with having him in tier one than having him in tier two. Yeah, and I do think overall he's been extremely durable. I I am writing this year off as an aberration. I am hopeful that that is the case with all the games that he's missed. I mean, he doesn't seem to take like the absolute greatest care of his body, and that's something that uh, has plagued all three of these guys. 
uh, towns to the least extent, but he also is having the best shooting season ever by a center. And I think he could be one of the greatest offensive centers of all time when it's all said and done uh, with his shooting ability. And I just, I really desperately want to see what it looks like with a real offense around him and what that Wolves offense is going to look like uh, when he's able to return here with this group that now includes enough shooting around him. But you obviously have major questions about his ability to defend at a high enough level to really push a team into championship contention. So those are really the parameters all NBA type of guys I know Rudy Gobert has been in there for me a lot but I just I think he's a little bit too limited on offense still effective but a little bit too limited and also just hasn't he hasn't been able to do the make you good on defense by himself thing uh since really the, the last two three months or so so he'll be in, in tier two but let's take a quick break here before we get to the rest of that okay so tier two I labeled these as the guys I really see as playing at an all-star level rather than an all-NBA level. And that was three players. Number four, Rudy Gobert. Number five, Chris Stapps Porzingis. And number six, Bam Adebayo. Those three are all in my next tier. And I only added one more player, which is Prokopas. Lopez That's, is hard. Yeah. He's he so for what the thing that I ended up settling on was the reason I have Lopez in this tier was because for me Brooke and Kristaps Porzingis are very intertwined and Lopez is better at what Lopez is better at what he does than Porzingis is but Porzingis is a I think there's a little bit more versatility for him like you know like it's harder to play him off the floor conceptually we haven't really you know he hasn't been stress tested the way that Brooke Lopez has because he's been on bad teams until now and then yeah. we're not in that circumstance well, well let's uh, let's compare him on both ends and I will say the idea of Lopez being as good as Porzingis this year I'm not I'm not against that Um, and I do think they're pretty similar my biggest reason was just that Brooke is in his early 30s he's only really had one season shooting above 34 percent from three and by comparison Porzingis uh, up until like a couple of duds right before the hiatus he was really on fire for the last month, month and a half or so. And he's just, he's a different animal as far as offensively shooting deep threes, teams just not leaving him. Um, and then defensively, I think Brooke is, I would say was a little bit better than him this year. Um, but I just think with Porzingis still coming back from the ACL and talking about starting a season right now, I would probably rather have Porzingis because I think his offensive I mean Brooks shooting under 30% from three like that ultimately has to be acknowledged here it it does I don't think that there's something structurally wrong with his shot or anything I had Lopez below Porzingis but in the same tier and it I mean to me there the reason why I had Porzingis above him is largely because of scalability versatility you know I, I think Porzingis Brooke Lopez is in the perfect situation and I think that in any almost any other one he his value diminishes like he's probably he could be in another tier and so that gives him a little bit of advice whereas Porzingis the you know Dallas doesn't have Giannis next to him defensively to help make those rim protection numbers sing and then offensively I mean they they actually do have a lot of that type of stuff but I think Porzingis in a you know he has been a bigger fish in a smaller pond and found success that recent vintage Brooke Lopez has not but I felt to me I felt more comfortable having Lopez in this tier but I think we should get to the most interesting guy that we both have in this tier which is Bam Adebayo like Rudy Gobert's case for me that's pretty straightforward to me. He's not in the same tier as the other guys because the him alone test defensively isn't quite there. And then he's a, a useful offensive player, but he's not a superlative one. So that's why, you know, he's he's a very good player. Jazz are lucky to have him, all of that. But Bam 
he's such a fascinating inclusion in this because what I labeled this tier was still on the floor. And still on the floor can mean two mm. different things. It can be, it's also funny to have Brooke Lopez here who has been played off the floor before. The idea behind this, to labeling it this category is either that a player Wait, is hold so, on. When, when was Brooke Lopez played off the floor? Well, wasn't there concern that that was going to happen in the Bucks series? I guess it didn't happen. We just thought it Wait, was. You mean the Toronto series? Yes. Um, no, actually, their numbers... He did better the, than we thought. Uh, their, their numbers in the Toronto series... Their problem was that they just couldn't uh, do anything when he was off the floor. Like Ilya, the Ilyasova yeah, yes, minutes, like those were, and the Miritich minutes, like those are the ones that were really killing them. They, they were the playing Miritich Brooke. Minutes. Yeah, they were playing. Uh, yeah, R.I.P. That actually happened during that series. <laughs> that it did stop playing. Uh, but yeah, it, it was. I mean, Brooks certainly had a few limitations, you know, when they're asking him to switch and stuff. But I think he's, I mean, maybe Golden State, like a full strength Golden State could have played him off the floor. But Houston was never able to, right? Like Houston, yeah. they, they, we thought that might be the case. But no, they actually were like, nope, Brooke is our biggest strength uh, against Houston. We're going to just run James Harden off the three-point line and force him to drive right into Brooke. So I, I, I think yeah. that's, uh, I don't think it's fair to say that he's been played off the floor before. I think there's well, a I, little I think it concern. Was, it was more conceptually, I guess you could say. And, and for some, yeah. like for, Porzingis it's conceptual too because we haven't you know he hasn't gotten to to yeah. get into those cauldrons but yeah so, I'm just not sure what the team is that has the personnel to do yeah, that. I, th- I think it's fair. just that like we talked about that Warriors team at full strength is just so insane like I don't really know many other teams maybe the Clippers could do it to just play a guy you know a otherwise solid starting center like a, a Lopez or a Porzingis you know someone who's essential to the team off the floor but I, I think that idea has been a little bit overstated Anyway, um, he's he's yeah. also in this tier for me. So I mean, it's it's uh, uh, but uh, but so the idea was either that a player is so good that they they're they're going to be on the floor, or and this is where Bam fits the fits the bill. You can't really think of a reason why they wouldn't, because Bam is so versatile defensively that you can't play him off on that end. And I like what he can do offensively too. You know, we the jump shot is always something that we're going to fetishize for big men, but he's been a capable distributor, a good role man. And yeah. so with well, Bam, well, I've I've been thinking about Bam too, and I thought about that of like, oh, he doesn't. Have have a jump shot like but no offensively the way he can handle the ball and tail like if you don't guard him number one he can hand off to a shooter he's a good playmaker or if you're just gonna not guard him he'll take two steps towards the basket and he'll dunk all over your entire team right because like he's he's a good enough ball handler where and finisher where you know kind of like not quite to the level of zion but where no you still actually need to guard him because if he gets ahead of steam going towards the hoop he's just gonna finish it Exactly, and so that's why I felt pretty good about having Bam in this tier. He's so he's my six. I went Gobert, Porzingis, Bam, Brook in this tier. And yeah, and by the way, I had the exact same order. I just had Lopez just in the next group. <laughs> yeah, and and so for me, I'll talk. I could talk a little bit about how I drew that line where I did, which was I said stay on the floor. My next tier was was three guys. And well, well there, there's one other thing I wanted to talk about too, as a general principle before you get there. Absolutely, and and that is the idea of just what these guys enable you to do right sure. and i think that's something where sabonis is we talked a lot about him i, I had that soliloquy uh, on why i had him lower than some people i didn't think he was a deserving all-star and on the contrary though i think the centers who just enable you to do so much so many more things even if they're not putting up unbelievable stats themselves like i actually have miles turner rated above demontis sabonis and so brooke lopez i mean brooke lopez is averaging what here in terms of points per game, I mean, I'm guessing it's like in the mid-teens. I never look at points per game anymore, but I suppose I can figure that out. 
Brooke is averaging 11 this year and 12.5 last season. Yeah. So you look at that and you'd be like, what the hell? You know, Sabonis is averaging like 20 a game and he's got a bunch of double doubles and he, he gets a bunch of assists. Uh, but the reason that like Brooke and Miles Turner and, and to a lesser extent, some of these other guys who, who I'll have a little bit lower here is like when you can shoot threes, space the floor. So number one on offense, now you can get away with perimeter players at other positions who can't shoot it as well, right? Right. Like you, you, and those guys will be better defenders. Maybe it's a, a scoring type like a DeMar DeRozan who doesn't shoot threes, or maybe, you know, an Eric Bledsoe or a Giannis Antetokounmpo. And they, I mean, obviously you'd have Giannis out there regardless, but it, he, on offense, these types of players to get shooting from a position well, where you don't normally get it is so massive. And then if that guy can also, and there's plenty of guys who can shoot the three but if that guy is also a very solid rim protector now you really just cause so many problems for the opposition and so many options in terms of building your team around like that's where the value comes from even if you're not like watching the game and being like holy shit this guy's dominating right now and there's another important element of this which the mavericks are a great example yes it's true that these kind of centers can open things up for you to play a non-shooter they can also open things up by playing them with shooters you know if you play five out the way that dallas has and so if you can get that kind of you know moxie kleba or some of these other things then it can help supercharge the offense and then as great as luke has been you don't need as many ball handlers guys are getting there they just have so much more space to work with i think that's been a big part of why tim hardaway jr has had the the season that he's had and I, I think that there is a, there is an intense value on that end. And part of with Porzingis, I mean, you and I have been obsessed with his rim protection capabilities for years. We've gotten to see a little bit more yeah. of that in Dallas. And there are, like, the idea that you can add a lot on one end and not take as much away on the other is, is another definitive characteristic of the top end groups here for me. And then eventually you get to the point where either you're adding more and taking something away or you're adding less and then, you know, getting into that. And so that's why I thought there was a line of separation right around here and then well and one, one other thing about those types of players too is you could also play them with another big man right like miles yes. turner can play with sabonis if miles turner can't shoot like that there's no way those two guys jaron jackson play and valanchunas as well yeah uh and uh porzingis and like dwight powell or willie collie stein also so yeah, I mean, it's really, it opens up so many options to you where you can either improve defensively because you can play two bigs or, or you're rebounding or you just have more space to work. You'd be a complete offensive powerhouse. Um, you can get away with perimeter guys who can't shoot. I mean, there's so many things that having that type of a player opens up for you. Um, but yeah, here, let's take another quick break and then we'll get into this next group. Okay, so you go first here. Uh, what is this uh, this next group? for you tier four or actually it's tier three i'm mislabeled uh i called it best of the rest and for me they're players who <laughs> well that that is uh that's really a great <laughs> well no there's a reason just, it, it, just, really really just making these guys feel great about being in this tier well no they i mean hey that's the, that's the spot that everton wanted to be for a long time and isn't right now i'm not going to complain about uh, that but <laughs> um but so for me it's three guys and all of them have have a I think they bring more on one end and then they're completely functional on the other and so there are ways to make it work my number eight is Miles Turner Turner I firmly believe is being underutilized offensively yeah. he can shoot but I you know could he be on the Jaron Jackson program yes absolutely could and uh, I, I I'm not sure about that I, close I, like, to it I mean, I mean he, he's shooting 30 four percent this year and the idea is that he would ramp up his shooting even more presumably those attempts get more difficult so i mean but i'm not sure they do if you build if you build make it a a, a larger feature within the offense like you know yeah yeah maybe maybe that's true or if you you just have uh, more 
threats that more shooting around him as well so that exactly. they have to leave him more there's there's more space i mean that's that's all possible um by and, the way we are we are uh eight for eight in terms of our our rankings right now and and also turner he had a rough start to the year defensively you know after that breakout last year but overall i think it got better towards the end and also he had had a really nice year last year when he played with thaddeus young and everything else and and it's not like thaddeus yeah. young has set the bulls world on fire this year defensively i mean not that he's been terrible or anything um so yeah i have turner eight then number nine talked in the, in the on- intro about how do you value this year versus last year i have al horford nine i i love ah uh, our first deviation he's 11th for me yeah so horford <laughs> for me his his game offensively works so well on on good teams he's a capable passer capable shooter and I mean, he has lost a little bit defensively. I mean, we, yeah. we, we're I mean, not getting the, full. Content. The question is: Has he lost a little bit, or has he or lost a, a ton? And he's he's also supposedly been dealing with this Achilles soreness. You don't know how much of a difference uh, these nagging injuries have had on him, or how much of it is this is his age thirty three season. Right, and and so there are some very real concerns. I and this is a, you know age thirty three. Where where do you? I gave him the benefit of the doubt a little bit more. And then we might disagree on my number 10 as well. I'm just still a believer in Clint Capella. I mean, he's the more more traditional role man, doesn't do a ton with the ball in his hands, but I think he's a better defender than the next group. And I think that his facility, it might be that he's benefiting, you know, I mean, still because he didn't play with the Hawks from the the heart and shine that he got, you know, better better chances to succeed. (laughs) As opposed to the heart and shine? Yeah, as opposed to the Harden, who is still getting the Harden shine. Um, <laughs> but the the idea that he's getting better chances to succeed and that makes him more efficient. But also, like I think Capella's his defensive chops are there, and I just you know I, I trusted him a little bit more. The next tier down, it's a smaller step, but I just thought I I think that he's better. So I you know it it, it was close, and Capella like I, I bounced between whether to have him in the next tier, and I, I kept him here. Yeah, I've got him a little bit lower. I just too much uncertainty about him. I, I could see having him higher. If you go back to the 17-18 playoffs, you know, yep. the way he was playing then, maybe you would say that he should be in this group, but I don't think he's reached those same heights defensively since then. Um, you know, his switching hasn't been a- as impressive as it was at times in that 17-18 season. Um, you know, th- that that is a nice element for him to get out on the floor, but I'm not sure he's that he's the technician in conventional pick and roll defense. And then, uh, you know, I, I worry about the injury, the plantar fasciitis. I, mean, I know we're saying that that's over now, but he, he has had some nagging injury. He hasn't had quite the same pop. He's another one of these guys who's kind of reliant on that athleticism. And so I, I think he's also the, the free throw shooting, the fact that he can't shoot outside of two feet from the basket. That's also a concern to me. And maybe he's just going to look so awesome in Atlanta uniform. But I think I generally would would think that the Houston ecosystem was helpful rather than hurtful to him. And so I would, I would agree. Yeah. So that's why I have a little, I mean, so for example, Derek favors, I have it at the top of the next group, right? Who's better defensively, Favors or Capella to you? I would say I would say Favors is, but he also hasn't had a ton of opportunity, you know, with starting lineups to prove it. He's done really well this yeah. year, though. Yeah, I mean, I think he he understands pick and roll defense better. Uh, I think you could make the argument that Capella is better than him offensively, but not significantly. So I I, I think Favors to me, at least just a, on a per play basis, is the better player. You might argue about Favors actually being able to stay healthy, which is a concern. But you, I, I think for me, this tier three was more about guys who. Uh, you know, are kind of sub all-star type of level. I don't think Clint Capella is ever going to get to that point for me. And, you know, can either really shoot it, really be 
at least a secondary hub on offense and not kill you defensively or have that shooting ability on one end protect the rim on the other that's kind of become the holy grail to me more than the yeah go ahead that makes me interested in who you have at nine and ten yeah, so uh, number nine is LaMarcus Aldridge. Okay, and you've always been higher on him than I have. <laughs> and he has slipped defensively this year. He hasn't had as much around him. I, I And that's what gives me the most pause about him. But what makes me enthusiastic is the fact that he shot the ball from three so much more. And he's dealing with this shoulder injury now. We haven't seen him in, in almost a month. But I thought when they had this mini surge... He suddenly was taking five threes a game. And that was just when you throw that in, in addition to the fact that you still really have to guard him with a real guy in the post. And I guess the question really just comes defensively. I think with better players around him, he could still look okay. But, you know, I think he could be an average defensive center and then be like a real plus on the offensive end. Um, So, and his pick and pop ability is still pretty useful. So that's another, I mean, he and Horford were kind of the, all right, maybe I have him too high, but I'm not ready to quite give up on him yet, but things could drop off for them very easily. And I might look stupid a year from now. Yeah. I had Aldridge in the, in the next tier down, but I, I see your, I see your logic. I just don't trust him as much defensively. The thing that, that helps Aldridge and the reason I'm most seriously considered putting him in the tier above is that you can capably play him at power forward. And so he shoots enough. I don't know if you can anymore though. I think, I think you can against most teams, not in like the, the real playoff conversations but when we're at the 8 through 11 or whatever these tiers are I don't think I think we're not having that conversation with both these guys anymore like that's why I labeled tier 2 still on the floor is I think once you get past that it just it would be great to have it but it's a value add that none of those guys really have um so did you have anyone else in this group you wanted to talk about well so so you had okay so you had Turner 8 you had LaMarcus 9 who was 10 I went with Demontis Sabonis. Interesting. Uh, I, you know, I mean, I think number ten would be a where a below where a lot of Indiana people would have him, and uh, is above where I have him. Yeah. Now he has gotten better every year, uh, but the shooting hasn't come around. Maybe on another team that that might happen a little bit more. He hasn't been asked to do that as much uh, in Indiana because uh, he's largely played center on offense pretty much uh, this whole time now in Indiana. Um, but he is a very solid secondary offensive player he's good enough in the post that you really have to guard him with a real guy down there i think that does matter he can force double teams uh excellent passer of course offensive glass he can be a threat there as well and i think you know defensively i'd have him kind of around average you know maybe and perhaps he looks a little bit better in that pacer system he's solid on, on verticality he's not you know really a guy you want guarding power forwards on the perimeter in terms of moving his feet and having to close out but i think when he's just matched up against a guy one-on-one he can do okay his short arms you know are tough on a switch but i think he's a pretty good technician in terms of pick and roll defense conventionally uh splitting the difference between the ball handler and the roll man changing up his approach a little bit uh and he's a solid box out guy a solid rebounder so that's this is about where i'd have him and and with the idea too that he's young could continue improving i still the problem the reason i have him below turner is just with his inability to shoot the fit issues come into play and i think you'd still be hard pressed to build a 
solidly above average defense with him as your starting center unless you just have a ton of stuff around him and in fact when he has been the only center on the floor for indiana you know their defense has created their offense has looked awesome but the, but yeah. the defense hasn't been that good yeah for this season when sabonis has played without miles turner they have a plus six net rating but they've been a little bit above average on defense and then they've been really really good on offense and those lineups being a little bit above average on defense is actually notable because like mcdermott's on the floor a lot during those lineups they're not playing with Brogdon or I mean Oladipo's obviously been out so the Oladipo wasn't on the floor in those circumstances so you know Justin Holiday's solid enough and and so it's not like they're playing great lineups there and so to be above average but remember those lineups are often playing against backups too so this isn't Sabonis as a starting center and the only big against starters so I think those who want to use those that as an argument for him I think are they're leaning on something a little bit tenuous more so than they should and that's why I had at Sabonis a tier below is is guys that I don't think have 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 it all together yet and with Sabonis he benefits from playing with another big who can who can space the floor and there are some of those guys but there aren't that many and I like what he can do but I don't and I think it elevates a team but I don't know if it's like the a, a true like focal point or even a secondary focal point of a really really good team I think that that part of it with Sabonis, he to me he he has a lot of the calling cards of being a high value floor raiser, which is I, shouldn't be seen as a denigration in in the fullest. It is in slight, but I think that players like that are just a little bit less valuable, and we might not get that context. I mean, Sabonis just signed that long term extension. Turner's under contract for a few years. It might be arguing in the abstract for a while now. We don't know. Maybe they trade. Maybe they trade Turner at some point in the near future. We don't know. Uh, let's go. So my next tier. Well, well. So I, I had one more in this group actually, which was oh. seven through twelve for me, and that's uh, Sergi Baca. Totally fair. I had him in the next tier down, but he was he was my hardest omission from this tier. Yeah, he's largely been pretty durable and i think he showed in the playoffs last year that he can be a major problem he even played a little bit of power forward next to marcus ole in that crazy philly series and he's still got pretty decent ability to switch against some teams his three-pointer has returned this year after being just totally off last year he can also pick and pop into the mid-range he's not the greatest finisher anymore but he can convert some short flips and hook shots around the rim still not a great decision maker offensively you know you don't want to necessarily run a lot through him short rolls he can struggle to make some decisions still he's gotten better in all those areas but defensively you know i think he's he's right up there and again he, he fits into this group where because he can space the floor at least enough it opens up a lot more options for you i mean he's not porzingis level or even necessarily a lopez level in terms of his number of attempts you know he's not a bomber he's not shooting it on the move he's not shooting it from well behind the line but he can space out well enough to where it's a good shot for him and it gives the offense an extra element so just his versatility i mean the only real weakness in his game that you'd point to is some of the decision making offensively so i was comfortable with him at the bottom of this group and he also is someone with just a ton of playoff experience uh good teammate he's uh clearly been around a lot of good teams and so you know that you can trust him when you get into the playoffs which maybe some of these other guys don't have that level of experience yeah and he's also been 
been an effective offensive player the last few years, and there's an argument that he could have been, you know, differently in Oklahoma City had Scotty Brooks and emphasized different elements of, of Ibaka's shot profile. Um, but I I think that he has aged well. We don't, he, you know, this this is his age 30 season, so we'll see how losing a little bit of athleticism affects Ibaka. I'm a little bit worried about that because remember this is the season that starts today as opposed to the season that is that is in process right now. But yeah, that's fine. I mean, I, again, he was the closest omission. Um, my next year, so yours. Well, was let's uh, let's uh, let's take a quick break here before we get into sure. that. Sure. All right. So so your next group now. This is your numbers. What through what? Eleven through fifteen. So a lot of this is overlap. We can I ah, can actually. So this is this is small. I, I'm. It's interesting to me that you've gone as like small as you have. Like for me, I my tiers get larger usually the lower I go. Same here, but I, I just drew a little bit of a line. And so this is actually part of what I labeled it. I, I called this group more established, but are they actually better? And so part of, some of these guys could have, you know, Abaka debated moving up. A couple other guys I thought about grouping with everybody else. But I just I just felt more comfortable drawing this line. Then my next group is massive. It's 16 to 29. That's like, you know, 14 guys. Huh, okay. But I, I just, and so we've already talked about a lot of these. Um, Sabonis. Abaka, Aldridge. I would say we've talked about those guys in some in real substantive detail. Then Derek Favors came up, but you had him in the same kind of tier as me, and we should talk about him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think I I made the point about him. I, I still you know a proven two way center. If I knew that he could play more than twenty five minutes a game and could stay healthy with his knee and back issues over the course of a whole season, uh, he might even I might even consider having him higher. Now he can't shoot. He, there's been attempts to become a, a corner three point shooter. I mean, he took that corner three in that game against the Mavs. <laughs> yeah, he did a couple of weeks ago. That was like that he airballed. I was just the, like, the, oh, crunch, man, the rare crunch time Derek favors three. Yeah, uh, hopefully it shall remain rare and. Yeah, he, he like airballed it over the rim by like five feet, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, like, I think here I began to run into, and even Sabonis as well, I, I kind of uh, moved the guys who can shoot and defend up into a higher group, but still now the two-way group. So Capella was in this group for me. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, who's really took a step wow. forward this year. Uh, I, I thought he was a, 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 a. I mean, if you're looking at the guys who are like, all right, these guys are a plus on both ends, unambiguously. Wow. That, I, that I, was, I, I, for for Holmes, maybe it's maybe it's like just because it was this year. Like I didn't I didn't have him here yet. Yeah. If it was single year. But I want to talk about one other guy because I only had one other player in my tier here, and I'm guessing he'll be in yours, and that's Stephen Adams. Yeah, Adams, I w- was a little bit lower in this group to me. I mean, I, I'm worried about his decreased mobility. So, so you had Rashawn? Um, wow, you had Rashawn Holmes in this group and not Stephen Adams? No, I did. He was at the okay. very bottom. Okay. Um, I, I, I will and, say I didn't rank num- I didn't number this anymore. I ranked the the top ten. That's where my line was. I yeah. didn't number anybody any after that. Yeah, yeah. No, I I haven't either. Twelve was as low as I went in terms of the numbers, but. Uh, Marcus Ole, I also had here. I mean, he still is just less than a year removed from just a wonderful playoff run. He's the best post defender at the center position, which still has some value uh, in this league. And great decision maker can shoot it. Now, his complete inability to score from two point range this season was a concern. The fact the, that he's missed half the year with hamstring injuries also the, a concern. Those are the two reasons I had him down a tier. I mean, if I, if you could yeah. guarantee slightly more health, he would be he would be in this tier easily to me. Yeah, and I think that's maybe just a divergence in philosophies because I, I'm, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but 
I'm more pushing for who can really contribute at a championship level even and that's part of why I picked Embiid above Jokic and Towns way back in the beginning because I was really like all right yeah this guy might not be healthy but guess what you're not winning a championship with some of these other guys anyway so I might as well just take the chance that this guy can contribute at a championship level that's kind of the thinking on Horford too even having him a little higher than his play this year would warrant uh because I just think yeah you know this guy can get into a championship series and contribute there there definitely is merit to that I I do weight availability and presence and all that during the regular season I think a little bit more than you because a lot of teams don't have that luxury you know they have they have to actually get in and I would say that that's valued less at center you could make an argument because centers who can they're they're not going to be as definitive you know they're not determining as much you can get some other guy who can take the guy's place while he's injured yeah Um, now I guess guess if you're if you're the New Orleans Pelicans that's not actually true (laughs) right and there there are certain other circumstances so I I downgraded guys a little bit for that you know if if, if availability is a skill all that sort of stuff and and with and with hamstrings are tricky especially like I'm I was a little bit worried about that um, and also, like this next tier, my next tier down. Um, well, let's go f- finish out yours. So, you, where, yeah, where so, are you? So, I did have Steven Adams at the bottom of this group. I just, I, I'm worried a little bit that his finishing has dropped off and his mobility has dropped off. He's not quite the same Titanic force on the on the offensive glass as he used to be. Another guy who really, I think, a lot of these guys who are, I mean, these guys deserve credit for improving their skills. Like in the case of Adams, he's added a floater and a post game, but generally they're less skilled. And so if they're just really reliant on their physical force and athleticism, it's hard for them to keep it going. The reason why I had Adams in this tier is I was really impressed with him defensively this year. I mean, the the Thunder have gotten... They've moved away from some of the things that made life easier. You know, remember how the like the some of those supersized teams that had a lot that had a lot of rib protection or that had other guys that could help out and losing Jeremy Grant, losing obviously Kevin Durant and a lot of the other a lot of the other pieces around it made it I think made life harder. I mean, Chris Paul's a wonderful defender. I mean, they've been they relied a lot on Gallinari and Gallinari I would say was better defensively this year, but Adams had I think he had more he had more to do this year and did a very good job of it. And I that just impressed me yeah I, I thought he had a tough start to the year he'd come sure. on lately so i mean he is this is only his age 26 season amazing i mean that's that's a guy who seems like he's been around forever i mean because basically he was he was starting from just about the beginning i think it was like playoffs of his rookie year that he supplanted uh kendrick perkins in the in the starting lineup um my other two players in this group one was yusuf nurkic and he was the blazers second best player a year ago pretty good on both ends other than having a ton of explosion at the rim uh he i mean you can see how much the blazers missed him defensively this year and you can uh, see how much they missed him offensively too because yeah. he just he moved it a lot better than hassan whiteside did yeah he makes decisions he can do the dho game he's a monster on the offensive glass as well good hands defensively just a big body in there and i i thought he was a a really really good player i mean if you j- just guaranteed me that he would be back to the level that he was a year ago you know i might have really thought about moving him into that group with some of these other guys uh that, that i talked about the abaca horford sabonis group but i mean at 280 he was supposed to make his season debut on march 15th so he was going to be ready uh but and and uh we'll get an idea of where he's at but and the hope is that his injury wasn't as bad as gordon hayward's because uh, it didn't involve any of the joints 
but he also just at his size and that kind of a catastrophic injury you you do wonder uh, if he could come back to a hundred percent of what it was i mean and, and you know i thought he would be back earlier than he was but he wasn't able to do that certainly there was an abundance of caution involved then he he might have come back earlier but then he hurt his calf too uh, but you you get those kind of things as you're trying to bring a 280 pound body uh, from a year of inactivity back to playing at an nba level there's one other big thing that you didn't break up with with nurkic which is scheme versatility i mean i think i worry that he's in the perfect situation defensively you know that drop back coverage and that yeah. he, he relies so much on him, be, on him being just big and he does it very well and there is a group of guys that can but put him in a lot of other situations and teams teams could want to do that and he, i think he would he would look meaningfully worse and remember part of this is trying you know thinking about where a player could go and being really good at one thing and being good enough at that one thing that you could your team might want to do it is is valuable but if maybe you have better switching personnel or you want you know want the guy up more towards the level of the ball i just don't think he can handle those types of things and there yeah. aren't that many teams he, he that has, run the approach he has quicker feet than it appears that he does and he also has really good hands so i, I think it'd be possible like possible to do like a more of a uh you know use him the way that Jokic should but i, I think that that is a a reasonable way of looking at it. I mean he is both offensively and defensively pretty much in the perfect position for his talents and you know if he were on a a different team would, would he well, be less effective and, and I will say that this season has given me a greater appreciation for his talents in absentia because we were very into the idea of Hassan Whiteside especially defensively because he checks a lot of those boxes but he's not Yusuf Drukic so this was maybe the hardest guy to rank for me in this whole group I did have him in this tier and that's Nikola Vucevic I had him a tier below and, and I understand that I, I mean perhaps the memory of how good he was last year is just infecting me a little bit too much i mean he he does offensively i think he still does help a lot 3.1 yes. or i'm sorry 5.1 three point attempts per 36 minutes only shooting 33 percent. but he's come on after the entire magic team uh apparently couldn't make a three-pointer for the first two months of the year um he's got solid post-up ability i mean it still remains a huge matter of frustration that he doesn't use his strength more and go through guys and get fouled it's so many of those short flip hook shots that just you know are not going to go in quickly enough like he rushes those shots you can shoot him with both hands but uh this is his age 29 season i do think he makes a lot of things go offensively so you know maybe i should move him down it's here he just was so good last year and then defensively he's absolutely in the perfect position it's you got to remember that he sucked before steve clifford came in and They've got a lot of rangy wings around him, although some of those guys have been injured a lot of this year. And, and I think he's definitely taken steps forward. But on another team, I think he could be revealed as extremely limited defensively once again. So I, I think I am going to move him down and just do do a better job of treating last year like kind of the outlier. Do you, do you want to give me? Do you want me to give you a reason why? Okay. This year, Vooch played 2,500 possessions without Jonathan Isaac. And they have plenty of other good defensive players. I mean, Aaron Gordon was in a lot of those lineups. They've played him a little bit with Kem Birch and Fultz, I think, does a yeah. reasonable job of defending his position. 113 defensive rating, 33rd percentile. He he can function within a system where he is the third best defensive player on the team, but how often do you get that as a luxury? And remember, like a lot, he makes the offense better. So he's kind of this anachronistic fit. Like, he makes your offense better, but you need great defenders around him, and 
it's it it can some teams can find those defensive forwards but other teams yeah. i mean think about how many teams are scrambling to find those players in the first place so he's he's in a situation to kind of because we value defense at the center position where it last year in particular like it papered over some of his faults and then we could and it accentuated his strengths and so we're like oh man he's the reason this magic system even functions which is true but the things that are most important for his position to do, those responsibilities have to fall on other people who generally can't do it. Yeah, and then generally, like, you're right that it's sort of this weird symbiosis where, okay, he's he is uh, really keeping you afloat offensively, but part of the reason that he needs to keep you afloat offensively is because you need all these defensive players who are keeping him afloat defensively. Right. Yeah, and last year, I mean, he... It really was an outlier. 57% true shooting a year ago, and... 36% from three, never been above 33% since he began shooting threes uh, before that. I mean, he was basically, other than last year, essentially a 31% three-point shooter for his career. He's taken even more this year, and he does pass it. He does have, have spacing, but his post-game hasn't seemed to work as well either. And, you know, clearly last year is going to be the only year of his career that he was an all-star. I think that that's pretty obvious. Um, yeah, all right, so you convinced me to move him down. Um, Yay! Should we get into the rest of this group now? Okay, so so what lay, lay out where you are in terms of numbers, and then I'll, I'll we'll, we'll kind of square up there. Okay, so now I'm into the yeah. I guess as it turned out, I only had six guys in that tier four group, uh, which was Favors, Capella, Gasol, Holmes, Nurkic, and Adams. And again, the reason I have Holmes there, I think he's a wonderful offensive center outside of the shooting, and he's made himself into a very competent defensive player he's a two-way guy and and that you know established two-way play that i feel confident in that gets you he he could be my Dwayne deadman for this year because you know i really like to get ahead of these things and and, uh you know appear prescient by ranking guys higher than than uh maybe other people would it worked out so well for me with deadman right (laughs) well appropriately deadman's in my next year (laughs) Because is he I really will, okay? Well, I will so I, not I now, quit. I will not quit Dwayne Dedman. Um, I, I am now lower on him than you are. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think so. So yeah, Mike, so, so this is like I think this is uh, starting at nineteen for me. This group, so we're we're pretty. I think we're pretty much matched up now. Yeah, I'm at sixteen to twenty nine. Okay. Um, and and we've already talked about a few of them. This, this group was kind of a hodgepodge of veterans who kind of took a step back, whether it be health or stuff. So we already talked about Nurk, Vooch, Marcusol. Those guys are all there, and I would classify. And then and then veterans that I don't like as much as other people, and then young guys that I really like. I think that's kind of the general category. So I'll yeah. I'll just I'll just run through it. Screw it. Like at the and again, this isn't in order. This is just players that yeah. are in the same tier. Well, it give, is a give me weird like group. give me like five, and then we can okay. We can so react to those daniel tice he was at the very bottom of this group for me uh, I, I worry he may be a bit of an artifact of brad Stevens' system like you have I to give credit to what he's done i mean it, he is a solid offensive center you can actually get up for alley-oops a little bit uh defensively he's held up more now he can't guard anyone in the post that's a little bit of a problem um he's yeah, a little there aren't that there aren't that. that many guys that are freaking you out there i mean even when you yeah. look at the top of this group i mean the, the top of the center rankings there aren't that many guys yeah i, I mean i just i i i really question his ability to do it outside of boston it, with I, do, I do too I, yeah. but to me like he has played at a level this year that would actually be above this it's just that you know you have to have to downgrade a little bit jared allen I just I I think that he is a a plus defensively, not a huge plus, but a plus there. And then offensively, you know, a slight plus. I like him as a role man. I wish he had a little bit more versatility offensively. But players who do those two things are here. 
Similarly, I have Wendell Carter Jr. here. Might be a little early, but I really like his defensive tools. I think that the Bulls did really miss him when he wasn't playing. And then offensively, some of it is just that the shot isn't falling, but I think that he has the the chops to to make that work. And if I'm going to roll the dice on whether he's going to be better offensively for a 12-month stretch starting right now, I'm going to take that bet. Yeah, this is really a hodgepodge of guys with some different strengths, but but ultimately what settled it out for me is just there's a little bit too much uncertainty about all of them for me to feel like, yes, like this is my solid two-way option at center that I feel I can just take this guy to the bank. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. And, and, either and, and, they're guys who are too young, haven't done it in the playoffs, or significant weaknesses uh, on either end. Along those lines, somebody that hasn't come up for us in any other tier, but is in this one for me, is Andre Drummond. I do not believe that Drummond is a consistently positive impact defensively and offensively. I mean, the high yeah, watermark. There, there's just no proof of that, really. Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, blocks and steals on occasion. Defensive but, rebounds, but defensive uh, yeah, rebounds but, are... Congratulations, yeah. you're the one who grabs them. That is valuable, but it's not as valuable. Well, and also they don't really defensive rebound any better with him on exactly. the floor usually in, the, in their, uh, over the course of his career. So, yeah. I mean, he is certainly someone well overrated by his box score stats. And I think the league has caught up to that given the lack of trade value that he had at the deadline. And that's his free agency, whether it occurs in 2020 or 21, depending on that player option, is going to be clarifying. And the Drummond could end up being the beneficiary of the it only takes one or two type of stuff that it, it could figure it out. Somebody else in this tier, Jakob Pertl. I Again, I like him defensively, offensive rebounding monster. I'm less optimistic that Pertl will move beyond this tier than some of the other guys like Wendell Carter, Jared Allen. Maybe this is a way station for them. But Pertl being in this tier, I mean, there's there's value to that. Like there's there's And, and I wonder what his free agency is going to entail being restricted. Yeah, I thought that he's somewhat analogous to Avicii Zubac. Also in this tier uh, for me. I think yeah. Um, yeah, Wendell Carter, I wasn't, I mean, I really am a believer in him defensively, but, and he has shown a lot of versatility to get out on the floor in Jim Boylan's system. I think he can also protect the rim really well. He's got some verticality. I think he can play some conventional pick and roll defense in another system. So I, I'm a believer in his defense. He even has shown some switchability at times offensively though the shooting has not come around it really did that was something that was supposed to be advertised and maybe on another team it'd be a little bit different with a different role um you know he's not a great explosive finisher on the rim his post-up game is not something that's ever really been featured and probably shouldn't be uh, you know I, I would hope that he could get some more of those like quick duck-ins with it that strong body but you know, that's something that hasn't really been the case so far um so he's just a little bit too unproven and then you throw in some of the health issues that he's had as well we just haven't seen enough from him i i getting ahead of it i feel i, I he was one of the, my dicier selections for this group um how about harold how did you deal with him i had him in the next tier down and that I'll, I'll just it's good to clarify with this so what i had the next tier down was definite high-end rotation guys that are if you have them on your team you're going to play them a lot but for various reasons I wouldn't I wouldn't be comfortable giving them the lion's share of the of the role and there are a bunch of there there are different reasons why I don't trust Harrell enough defensively and his you know his offensive game is very good but it's also it, it doesn't I, I don't think it elevates good players as much you know like it, 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 it's it's yeah. and that might be unfair maybe that's just yeah. me thinking no I, I mean he's a he's a finisher now he, he can go one on one 
Uh, but, you know, it's not like, oh, man, we're going to go double team this guy exactly. and run everything through him. And now we're getting all these open shots for open guys. No, I, th- I think that's a great a great way to look at it. But let's finish out. So my in-betweeners, let's see. That's what I called this group, the in-betweeners. So it's like they're not backups, but you also don't love them starting. Um, so the ones that we haven't mentioned yet, Christian Wood, I put him here. Yeah, I think he's. Uh, it's pretty clear at this point he's a very good offensive center. His three-point shooting is a weapon. His finishing around the rim is a weapon. Now he can't really post up at all. He's pretty much exclusively a play finisher. And he hasn't ever played on a even, you know, in like competitive NBA games, even at the end of a season in a playoff race, much less playing in playoff games. Um, but I do think he's someone who can help your offense uh, to some degree. I mean, the Pistons offense hasn't been like so amazing with him out there, even with his own individual. Yeah, but there, there's other stuff. There's other stuff going sure. on there. And sure. And, but it's just a question of his de- his defense is a major question mark. I mean, huge, he's, huge question mark. He, he can block shots when he's in position. He can move pretty well. But the effort, the intelligence, the intensity, that's all just I mean, I saw he hasn't stuck out to me this year as like being atrocious. But they're just playing at a playoff level defensively is just so and, far away from anything he's experienced before. and doing it against starters and and i mean they're they're sometimes that's the wall that these guys hit as centers it's a little bit different is that being yeah. playing largely on the starting line and playing on the on the second line defensively can paper away a lot of stuff i mean we I, i've made the argument with simonis that he's doing it while on the starting line because he's playing next to another center but it's the same basic idea that also might be true of another guy having this tier mitchell robinson well, another problem for wood too is he's a little thin like i don't know oh, if you yeah. can guard guard post-up centers sure very well which is, which is another issue yeah i'm not i'm not as freaked out about that because there just aren't that many um mitchell robinson hard guy to place for me i've been a believer in his yeah physical i, I, tools I had for a long time. i had him uh one level down here that's um, fine I, but just, and and, and i think part of that's not his fault it's more just uncertainty for me about about him it just oh. because he's been in such a weird situation where he <laughs> yeah. can't do what he really does best um right. i am his block rate has gone down this year which might be good because he probably needed to stop fouling quite as much um although that hasn't right. particularly happened but um it, you know we haven't seen quite the amount of boundless energy but i mean the guy i just it's just too uncertain for him I mean, even if he'd had as much of a role with some spacing around him as like wood had i i would feel better about what he is but that's why i had to have him a little bit lower because i i still i still would move more towards guys who i think and i realize wood uh doesn't fall into this category but generally with this group i'm like all right i would like to believe that if you get into at least like a first round playoff series this guy's gonna know what the hell he's doing paralleling the mistake that i made with alex len as a draft prospect i think that i give a little bit too much credit to players who are in imperfect situations of the like oh if especially if i like their tools oh they would they would have figured that out and i think that might be true with with Mitchell Robinson but I mean his part of why I like him is that offensively he knows exactly what he is and he's damn good at it and it's not a hard role to fill you know role man who has a crazy catch radius and and can offensive rebound not every team needs that guy but a lot of teams know how to use that guy and it just so happens that he's on the team with the worst spacing in the NBA and then defensively there are a bunch of other things but like I, I think that 
I think that there's a way to, to use him. And then another guy, I think this is the last one in this tier that we haven't talked about at all, is Valanchunas. I just respect the hell out of his game. It's not, you know, it's not flat, flashy all the time. He's stable enough defensively. And then offensively, it's grown. You know, the three-point shot is more there than it was a couple of years ago. But yeah, he, he's just, it takes him so long to get it, it off does. that it's just like not a huge yeah, weapon. It isn't a huge weapon, but teams have to respect it at least a little bit. And and I, I just think he's, he's solid enough that for me, I trust him more than that guy's in the next tier down. Some of which I think on certain teams are better than he is. But on the, you know, if you're blind, you know, you're blindfolded, you're thrown at a dartboard, and that's the team they're on, I think I would prefer Valanchunas on more of them than somebody like Dwight Powell, who I like Dwight Powell, and Dwight Powell on the Mavericks, yeah, obviously he's way past him, but there's only one Mavericks. Yeah, and JV kind of a start the game but not finish the game center on a really good team but you know he's been on good teams in his career he's always been really efficient he's an underrated role man he can offensive rebound he can post up a little bit you know but he's it does kind of take him a long time to post up and he doesn't really pass out of there so it's kind of more of like okay if he has a really good mismatch we'll throw it to him but he does have that ability uh three point attempts only 1.7 per 36 minutes so again it's not like a huge volume to where it's making a difference but at least if it's like hey uh if you're gonna play him the way the nets played him in that game early this season of like all right we're just gonna straight up root our feet to the lane he'll he'll he can make you pay enough so like that that's worth something and then he's a big body inside he'll rebound uh, he's improved his verticality he's still too slow i think you know he he is a played off the floor type of guy defensively if you i mean i think he's a very very high quality offensive center and and you know maybe a below average to slightly below average defensive one is where i'd put him yeah i think that's fair did we talk about DeAndre Ayton yet? I have him in the next tier down, so he has not come up. I have him here uh, for a couple of reasons. I think that his individual post defense is pretty good. I think mm-hmm. his switch ability has looked pretty good. And I think he's shown that he can get close to being average defensively. Maybe not right now, but if we started a season now, by the end of that, certainly his this ankle stuff and... and the PED stuff makes you a little bit worried as well. Like, does he is he going to get another one of those suspensions, or was he taking stuff and relying on that to stay healthy or something? I mean, there, there's you always get an eyebrow raised at that sort of thing. Like Hidu Turkulu, for example, got a PED suspension, came back, and was just you know he wasn't the same player anymore. Um, so Aiton, I'm uh, and then offensively, excellent pick and roll player, solid offensive rebounder, finishes around the rim, but a lot of the post-up stuff but if you just put him on another team where he wasn't trying to post up and was told that he can't take mid-rangers i mean phoenix is giving him more license to explore the studio space just because he has this status right now as being the number one pick on their team and they probably think that he has a little more potential offensively than he really does and they they want to give him every opportunity to explore that uh especially now uh, as we got towards the end of the season and they fell out of the playoff mix um i don't think he's gonna be able to shoot three pointers because he's just got that really flat shot uh and but but i think he's on his way to being average on both ends and that's you convinced that's why i had him him i moved him up i i think that's i think that's reasonable and the growth that he's shown on the defensive end the thing that i needed to that pushed me over was the idea that the season starts now and so the growth would have continued he's a young dude he's gotten better so yeah he's in he's now in this year for me yeah and i think it was just encouraging that he started to show a way to make plays right he's this season improved his block rate from 1.5 per 100 possessions last year to 2.4 this year that is a pretty significant jump 
to me. Um, and now big problems with his free throw attempt rate. Like that's, that's a big reason I don't buy him as a potential offensive centerpiece. I don't think he's, he is going to be able to make his post game efficient, but you know, he's still young. I'm not going to foreclose on that. But I think on another team, when he would just, if they just cut some of the crap out of his diet, that he could be a very offensive, very efficient guy on offense and be a solid defensive player in time and so you're kind of pricing in that there would be additional improvement here but certainly the the defensive improvement for him has been very encouraging this season did you have anybody else in this tier you want to talk about jared allen yeah i i I had him in this tier i'm a big fan of his yeah i wouldn't say i'm a big fan of his i think that it's it's going to just be incremental improvements in his game from here on out he just doesn't have especially as a backup yeah (laughs) yeah uh so my next group this is kind of the all right yeah these guys this guy might be starting you'll be okay but you wouldn't necessarily want to finish the game so i got Hassan whiteside yep mitchell robinson in this group we talked about already aaron baines might be a tier higher if i felt like he could stay healthy you know the shooting that he's shown this year has been really good he still has that verticality he plays hard but i think at his age next year's me is age 34 season and at his just the the way he plays so rough and tumble and just gets hurt a lot and and has a lot of recurring muscle injuries calves hips uh, i i think it's just he's really more of a backup at this point and maybe maybe i even have him too high for that reason but you know he could start for you and play 22 minutes a game i think you know same role that he'd had with the celtics and, and if he's fallen off a little bit defensively the way he's improved his shooting has been huge um any arguments on him or you nope. did you have him in this group i had him in this group um yeah again these are kind of decent-ish starters well so Mason, I'll, I'll, yeah go ahead i had zach collins in this group he was a challenge for me because i think he would have had a, a year that would have pushed him higher than yeah. this but he just didn't play yeah I, and i i put him a little bit lower ability to stay on the floor too due to foul rate was big i, I had him more in the reasonable starter in a pinch group and he certainly would have a lot of headroom to move up he gets a little bit better as a shooter gets more reliable as a rim protector it does more as a passer all those things but it just wasn't quite ready to buy him that's why i had him in a lower group you know maybe in the the low 30s to mid 40s uh but you know he he would be on my list of guys who could easily move up but i mean the guy missed the whole year basically and so it's just it's just too hard to uh when he hasn't done it yet to extrapolate out I had DeAndre Jordan in this tier. Yep, me too. Dwight Powell. I, I had Powell actually much lower. Um, Injuries? I, or? I, well, yeah, I mean, I fear how he's going to look. And the Achilles is one where you're That's not going to be as good. That's one that genuinely scares and, you. And, and I think he's just not good enough defensively to be yeah. a, a starter, right? I mean, okay, you want to play him next to Kristaps Porzingis? Sure. <laughs> but... But again, he, he's if he's just playing more of a traditional center from a defensive standpoint, you know, I, I'm just not sure that he's yeah. there. And then you, his really good offense is, I mean, he's definitely one of the best role men in the league, but he's also a complete one-trick pony offensively. Yeah, but it's a pretty he, good... I, I think I value the one-trick ponies a little bit more than you do if they're really good at that trick, like Mitchell Robinson and like yeah. Dwight Powell. And, and different but, but I was concerned... Uh, like, he, he would be more in, in this group of sort of your adequate stopgap starting centers if he hadn't suffered the Achilles. Sure. Yeah, I didn't. I guess I was being optimistic and I didn't factor that in as much. One that I think will be surprising to people, and this I would be surprised if you had him here because of injuries, 
injury stuff is Kevon Looney. For me, this is where like full strength Looney is, you know, that or, or like maybe a little bit of an injury concern. Capable defensively, doesn't bring a ton offensively, but I just I just like the way he fits in on a lot of teams as a kind of like not starter but playing meaningful minutes type of center. Yeah, I think both because of the health stuff and also just the Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant boost that he got offensively. Like I, I really worry that he could be a massive liability on offense and the times that he's played, admittedly not healthy. We've seen that, but then uh, e- e- Ethan, Ethan's going to get a shiver down his spine right now and not know why for like a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. He'll probably just, uh, you know, chalk it up to uh, the times that we're living in and not even know that it has something to do with, uh, with Kevon Looney. Um, yeah, it's, uh, his shooting hasn't come along that much. I mean, that was a, a hope, but I just, I, my fear at this point is just that I don't think he's going to be able to play more than 15 minutes a game and maybe, maybe 20 or 25. And that even that is in question. I mean, this hip soreness is extremely troubling for, for him. And then you throw in this hamstring neuropathy. I mean, he's got two long-term issues that could be major problems for him. And then you throw in just that. I'm not sure what he does offensively at a decent level you know, you can pass a little bit and screen but that's that's uh he's well below average uh de- offensively uh, and i think he was just kind of getting by with uh, playing with steph curry and clay thompson that makes a lot of guys look a lot better than they are see andre Iguodala and draymond green for example is there too um so, uh, so, so yeah other, so he was lower for go me. ahead yeah, go you ahead. can name you can name some okay uh, so two other guys that wait am i naming some <laughs> Yes. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> All right. Uh, Dwayne Dedman was down at the very bottom of this tier six for me, really in kind of the, the mid thirties. I think the theory of him is awesome. Like that's why I had him as high as I did. And if he played as well, if he just shot it as well as he did last year, and he also was at a higher level defensively, I think last year too. But if he just shot it that well this year, then he'd be right around where he was last year, which I think I had him like 17th last year, which was way higher than most people would have admittedly. And he just hasn't shot the ball. The ball just has not gone in for him this year for whatever reason. And I'd like to think that that's an aberration. And he's back in Atlanta. He still hasn't shot that well in Atlanta either. He's been under 50% true shooting there. And he couldn't hit a shot in Sacramento either. Um, they Atlanta has at least played better when he's been out there, which has been a, a, a positive. But then that also considers who he's replacing as a center, particularly defensively. So I think he's got the ability to move back up again if he shows that he can hit shots. But it, it's just been... This year has just been too bad for him to be above this uh, for me, even though I think his skill set, should it reestablish, is extremely valuable. Yeah, I, I I don't really have too much of an issue with that, except that I have him higher just because I'm a I'm a believer that he's closer to the theory and that this was this was more aberrational. You yeah, know, that, that 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 idea. But a couple other guys that I have in this tier that are defense first, but I think do it enough inconsistently that I'm willing to include them. Dwight Howard, Nerlens Noel. Both. Yeah, Nerlens I didn't have in this group because I just don't think he's capable of starting. I think he's too frail. He can't guard the post. He's just too skinny, I think, well, ultimately. For, but for me, like, these are guys that I just, I, I could throw them 20 minutes a game on almost any team. I wasn't thinking, I think we define this tier a little bit differently. And maybe sure. you would fit, he would fit my definition and not yours. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, and, and you wonder, like, hey, is, is having a really good backup with maybe a little bit more versatility, is that worth more than a bigger guy who can start? But, uh, you know, maybe doesn't provide as much value at it. That, that's a tough question. I mean, I, I, yeah. I think it's totally defensible to have him up here. Um, 
the other the yeah. other cra- the one that will sound shocking to people because this season did not go as as expected. But thinking again more on the eighteen nineteen season is Willie Cauley Stein. He uh, Cauley Stein. I value what he brought to the Kings transition offense. I think more than most people. And he's not great defensively, but I also think he's not terrible. So I'm just like fine. I, I was debating. He was really a coin flip between this and the next year down. But I, I thought I thought the Kings missed him offensively, and that was due to his like just busting his ass down the floor. Yeah, I think I'm gonna actually just put move up some of the guys that i had in the tier below this and just make this all one group um because that you're right it really is kind of hard to differentiate Cauley stein was at the very bottom of this group for me but still i think an okay stopgap starting center he hasn't played much in dallas yet and he had a long personal absence his season with golden state was ruined due to injury at the beginning and he had some okay moments but uh, i mean it seemed like golden state felt like marquis chris was actually better than him i i actually have chris a little bit below because i think he defensively just doesn't offer that much uh a few others that we can kind of run through here let let me know if you because uh, we're kind of running out of time but uh let me know if you want to hit on any of these robin lopez i think he would still be completely adequate for 25 minutes a game as a starting center he just happens to be playing with his brother he still protects the rim he's added a little bit of a shooting element this year he can post up a little bit um you mentioned Dwight Howard I I think that's right it's just a he's played at a very high level this year it's just a question of how many minutes he can play right now yep JaVale McGee very good offensive center kind of spacey defensively but block shots I enjoy that. I think it's PIPM thinks JaVale like, has been high on JaVale's defense the last couple of years. And I'm just like, nope, I'm just not there. I like JaVale. Yeah. I just don't. I, I just, you know, it's again, how do you portion credit all those sorts of things? Uh, Mason Plumley, I totally could start for some teams as a, a, a reasonable stopgap. I mean, I really, I think on another team other than Denver that didn't give him the license to post up all the time, he could be more valuable. I think the, the, his posting up really just like it, it's it really grinds the offense to a halt because where he's standing, you just have to throw him the ball there. And I think that his post-ups generally are, are not very efficient offense, but he is a still a good finisher. I, I worry about his next contract because he's very reliant on athleticism. He has no skill outside of the basket area. And he really can't finish very well outside of just a, a straight up dunk when he's open. So that, that's a concern. And defensively, he's kind of jumpy. You know, I, I always like when they put him in for Jokic as a defensive replacement, sometimes like, oh, are you sure you want to do that? Uh, but, you know, I think he brings slightly below average play on both ends is kind of how I would look at him. Cody Zeller, I think, is a little bit underrated. Very good screener still. Started shooting some threes. That's a, not been a huge weapon for him. Has struggled to stay healthy. Good verticality guy at the rim. I, I think he, he could totally be a solid stopgap as a starting center as well. Tristan Thompson had a bounce back year. Good offensive rebounding. I mean, I'd like to see him back on a real team actually trying to do some of this switching. One guy I think actually has the potential to move up a reasonable amount is Gorgie Jang. The way he shot the three this year has been big, and Minnesota really was quite good defensively. They got a little lucky, but when he was starting for them with Towns out, they actually really defended pretty well. So I think if this three thing is real for him and he continues to increase his attempt rate, that could be a a big thing for him. But he's kind of at the bottom of this group for me right now. Yeah, we define the tiers a little bit differently. A lot of those guys were kind of towards the top of my next tier, but that was a harder line to define than some other ones. It was just for me, like the guys I trusted a little bit more and everything else. But yeah, I have no no real opposition. Just going to run off a few more names. And of course, we will be posting this, uh, both of our lists on our Patreon at patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue. We uh, really appreciate those who are able to continue subscribing and we'll 
try to give you guys some more content there now we might even boost up uh, the number of mailbag pods that that we're doing uh since we're gonna have some time on our hands here so uh, look out for that patreon.com slash duncan the we appreciate your support in these uh these difficult times to the extent that you're able obviously you know i, I heard from a couple of people who said hey you know I, like i'm i'm sorry like i just can't keep doing this and that's uh you know with the some of the economic pressures that are coming for us so we completely understand that but to the extent that you're able we love uh still getting your support but uh just to run through the list here uh, anyone that we haven't mentioned ennis Cantor is in this group for me uh, i think he's shown the last year and a half or so that in the right system he can avoid just being a complete suck on defense i think that's been important uh taj gibson has been toiling in obscurity i think he's a, a totally fine stopgap center who, who could be a, a quality backup as well alex len i like barely snuck into this group maybe he probably doesn't deserve to be there but uh yeah i have feelings on that but that's fine yeah i mean this is we're talking about like the 45th best center in basketball yeah exactly that's why i'm not spending time on it yeah um let's see i think i mentioned everyone what what about uh kelly olenic what were your thoughts on him i had him in the in in this tier of like you know he would definitely play rotation minutes on team but i wouldn't i wouldn't want him to start so i mean he's you know the i had a bunch of offensively interesting but defensively limited players like that yeah I mean, he's shooting 42% from three on like a very high volume, like off and he can still post up reasonably well against a mismatch, but I think he slipped some defensively. He does, he he can kind of do some verticality stuff, but short arms, unathletic, slow, uh, definitely a defensive liability at this point, but his shooting does make a pretty big difference. You just got to put the right pieces around. I think really profiles as more of a backup, but someone who can help you come up with a good theory of your offense on some backup units mm-hmm. okay a few others that i wanted to hit on here we've talked about most of them but uh thomas bryant not in the top 45 to me uh, what are your thoughts on that i didn't have him in my top top 45 either De- defensively limited offensively interesting but not amazing and yeah so he, he's outside of that for me and yeah i mean he has been uh, you have to give credit for the, his ability to be very efficient offensively. And he does he's great for your transition game, the way he sprints the floor. He's a developing shooter, but God, is he horrendous defensively. It's just, it, like, you you can't, it, you're very hard-pressed to be decent defensively when he's out there. And so that that's just, and, and I think there's, there's plenty of other guys who can, finished efficiently around the rim in this group I and mean, there's so i i think i i couldn't really put him there and, and marquis chris is sort of in the same category i like that chris has some more bounce to go finish alley oops and he can block some shots but conventional pick and roll defense he's totally lost and as a switch guy i think he's not really adequate he can get blown by pretty badly he doesn't really have a good understanding of where to send guys you know i think he's taken some real strides for this year and maybe next year playing for the warriors if he is back at next year do you think he would be in a big role maybe he can just really start to learn and absorb more i think just from a, an overall maturity standpoint he's taken some steps forward that's what all the reports around the warriors indicate but i just think he's better defensively but he's starting from so low that i don't think of him as as an adequate option as a starting center aside from the fact that he deserves a ton of credit for actually being a player who deserved to be in a rotation this year and a couple others i i wanted to talk about briefly danny actually just had to go because uh 
his girlfriend has a, an important work call, but I figured it's not worth bringing him back to finish recording. I got just like two more things to talk about here. Mo Bamba, another player who's taken some strides forward this year. He's got a much better block rate. Efficiency is not high. Really, anything inside the arc has not looked good for him. The three-point shooting hasn't been a major weapon. There's still hope that that could develop. He hasn't killed them. You know, I mean, you remember last year, basically, like him getting injured kind of propelled them into the playoffs. Uh, um uh, incidentally Kem Birch who played so well last year he's really been uh, someone who's regressed a lot this year uh, and he might have figured it in some of this list last year he's not there this year but Mo we'll keep an eye on him but hasn't contributed a playoff level the shooting isn't quite reliable I think he's below average offensively and defensively he's at least blocking more shots but I, I don't think he you can look at him reliably as a plus yet at his starting level and then I gotta really keep an eye on here for me although we'll see what happens in Indiana over the next year and a half or so but Goga Batadze really a problem as a shot blocker but you know he follows a lot he's as a rookie he's not a great finisher inside the arc offensively but could be a guy who provides that shooting and shot blocking combination that's so valuable in future years so he's a guy whose development i'd like to keep an eye on he showed some signs this year even though he hasn't been in the rotation much of the way so all right that was fun a lot of centers that we really needed to talk about it shows you the depth of this position we that's part of why we had to spend more time on it but we'll be back tomorrow. Not sure what we're going to do yet, but uh, maybe we'll, we'll check back in on some of our awards predictions. Take a look at, at that. We got some good feedback on the Western and Eastern Conference over-unders and getting a lot of great suggestions for pod ideas uh, as well. Hope you guys stay safe out there. Also, if you are an employee, you're a little bit worried about your safety going to work or, or you work at a business that you think for public health reasons it, it, to prevent transmissions of the virus it might be better to close it. Or if you are a business owner yourself, uh, check out the article that is pinned to the top of my Twitter page that I wrote, which is how to talk to a business owner about temporary closing during this outbreak and it got a lot of good reasons in there i've gotten some good feedback on it it hasn't worked for everyone i know that, that gotten some frustrated messages of people who tried and failed and i i've i've tried and failed in the case of some people in my life as well which has been frustrating but i've had about a 50 percent success rate i think that's that's worth trying if you can get there and hopefully these next two or three weeks we can really hunker down sacrifice together as a society and we'll look up and and maybe we can actually control this thing and start getting back to normal but certainly if we don't do this now that it's going to be a long long time before we get to that it may be cat may be out of the bag already but let's at least give ourselves a, a chance and uh i support all you guys who are sheltering in place or social distancing or self-quarantining or, or whatever situation you might be in and certainly all of you uh, healthcare workers as well i i will be thinking about you guys and it's, it's good to hear from a lot of you and and hear that this podcast is a nice break of normality for you and and so i i'm uh proud to be putting work out that you guys are still listening to and uh, we'll be back tomorrow talk to y'all then